Hey there, welcome to ChirpCast, encouragement with heart, humor, and a little sarcasm. Did you ever watch the TV show Grace Under Fire? I'm pretty sure I did not because I think it was sometime in the 80s, forgive me if I'm wrong here, but I never watched the TV show, but for some reason that title kind of popped, or that phrase I suppose, popped into my head when I was thinking about what I was going to do for my TripCast. And so I actually Googled Grace Under Fire, and of course there's a bunch of different pictures that came up of the TV show, but the definition of grace under fire came up too. And I thought this one was really interesting. The definition is not falling apart, nervous, but composed. There have been plenty of times in my life when I have fallen apart, when I felt like things were just crumbling around me and I had nothing to hold on to and I didn't know where I was going. Sometimes that has steered the choices that I have made in life. Um, Some of them have been great choices and some of them not so great. One thing about me that I know for certain is that I do work really well under pressure. When I think about grace and what that actually means, um, the definition of the word grace by itself just means simple elegance or courteous goodwill. Now in the Christian culture, I suppose, the teaching of grace is unmerited favor or mercy. And I can tell you I am certainly happy and thankful for mercy because I have needed it numerous times throughout my life. When I started thinking about this grace under fire, (laughs) it's funny because then I started thinking about all of the different times in my life that fire has played a part of what was going on. And uh, in case you're wondering, no, I am not the one setting all the fires here in California. But I do know that there are some really devastating aspects of fire and what it can do and cause, um, the effects that it has on our landscape, um, wildlife, my lungs. <laughs> so there's quite a few things about fire that stood out to me. So I just kind of wanted to talk about something along the lines of fire. When I was about eight years old, my mom was trying to light a match and I was nosy and I wanted to see and I leaned in and this was one of those few times in my life where I've actually had bangs. Um, Those of you with curly hair, you know exactly what I'm talking about because I don't know too many people who have curly hair and have bangs. It's just not a look for me, so I'm gonna just move along. So um, you probably see where this is going. Well, she lit the match and you guessed it, when she struck the match, my bangs caught on fire. Now, needless to say, my mom began smacking my forehead to put my bangs out. But even at eight years old, I had a good laugh. And when it was over, it wasn't like, you know, flames shooting from my head. It was more like singed hair, which is probably how it it stayed for a while until I had to get them cut. But it still makes me laugh when I think about that. My mom's panicked face and then slapping me in the head to try to get my bangs to not catch on fire and make it worse than what it probably was. And then there was also the time that I tried to make popcorn in a pan on the stove with oil. And fun fact, you don't usually walk away from the pan when you put oil in it and then put the lid on. It's not how that works. I walked away and came back to the stove. Mind you, I was probably only about 18 years old at the time, maybe 19. It was a newlywed thing. And I walked away, saw the TV, kind of got distracted, walked back into the kitchen, took the lid off of the pot. Flames shot straight up out of the pan. (laughs) And I'd panicked. 
Yeah, I was definitely not simple elegance in that moment. I grabbed the pan, threw open the kitchen door, ran out into our driveway. Thank goodness we live out in the country because I can't even tell you how many times that phrase, thank goodness we live out in the country, has crossed my lips because of all the ridiculous things that I have done out living here and having neighbors that are super close. Yeah, they would have been terrified. So... That was another moment, or there was the Easter morning of 2007 that I woke up to our kitchen filled with smoke and flames thanks to bad wiring and our hot water heater. That was fun. It was such a mess. Oh my gosh, I can't even tell you. When the firemen got there, they had to axe through our floorboards, through the door, through partial wall that was next to where the hot water heater was. It, Yeah, literally hot mess. That's exactly what that was. And then, of course, there's also the time that our cat, uh, Kissa, she tried to set fire to her own tail by jumping up next to a hot eye by the stove. Talk about a horrible smell. Like, I cannot even. Burnt cat hair wins hands down. In each of these times, I would not say that I was the definition of grace at all, perhaps with the exception of our kitchen. Yet the biggest fire of them all is the one that I was the calmest about. So I go into the kitchen because I wake up smelling smoke. It was, it was a little hazy. I didn't have my glasses on. And when I looked into the kitchen, I kind of surveyed the landscape there. And I thought that I had left the stove on maybe. Nope, I did not. As I looked around the room, I realized there were flames coming out from underneath the door where the hot water heater was. I went back into our room and I calmly went to my husband, who was sound asleep. Um, I kind of put my hand on his foot because I didn't know how he was going to react, like, to be startled. And I just kind of whispered, our kitchen is on fire. I've never seen a better reaction to the phrase sprung into action. Like, he seriously turned into the flash. Like, he jumped out of bed and sprung into action. Grab our daughter, runs outside, gets the water hose, all this stuff. Side note, he was actually in his boxers, which makes this next part even that much more hilarious, is after dialing 911, he goes out to the end of our driveway, and he's kind of like trying to wave the fire truck into our driveway. They drove by, honked, and waved. Like, I can't. This makes me laugh so hard because just the whole imagery of my husband standing at the end of the driveway in his boxers... And they just wave as they drive by. And then, of course, they realized, oh, wait a minute, that's the house with the kitchen on fire. And they turn around and they come back and they tell him, oh, we just thought you were out getting your morning paper. Seriously? It was like 3.30 in the morning. Who's out there getting their newspaper in their underwear? I don't understand. Anyways. Yeah, that was, that was something special let me just tell you that was a moment I will never forget but fire has the potential to completely devastate it devastated our kitchen our house the smell of smoke lingered for months even though the insurance company sent in a crew and they cleaned our house and tried to I don't even know what the special term is it's probably not defire but that's kind of like how I felt It smelled horrible. I don't know what the cleaning or neutralizing agent is that they use. Yeah, I do not recommend that. If there's a candle, do not buy it. But fire can also be pretty good. 
think about like a cozy fireplace or roasting marshmallows when you're camping. Those are good things. But the word that kind of stuck out to me when I was thinking about fire and what it actually does and its benefits, the Bible speaks often of God being the refiner in our lives, using a refining process to make us more like him. Psalm 66:10 says, For you, God, tested us, you refined us like silver. The process is not quick. <laughs> it's not simple. Let me explain. See, I, I thought that I knew what the refining process was. I've been in church all my life. I've heard people talk about it. I've heard sermons about it. There are songs about it. There's one in particular, Refiner's Fire. It just kind of has played in the back of my mind ever since I was writing this stuff down. But the process is a little bit rough, to say the least. So I'm just going to explain it and break it down here for just a second. So the first thing is the breaking. So the refiner first has to break the rough rocks into pieces so that you can see what's inside, such as the precious metals of gold or silver. Jeremiah 23, 29 says, uh, Is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks rocks in pieces? God's word is going to sometimes break us into a million pieces. We're going to read something and God's going to speak to our hearts and it's going to crack that hard shell, that casing that we have around our heart. So there's the first process. The second one is the crucible. And (laughs) I think when I hear the word crucible, I think about a movie. I'm pretty sure there's a movie called The Crucible, but I'm not 100% sure. This is not what it's talking about. (laughs) But um, The Crucible is a fireproof melting pot able to withstand extreme heat and it'll be put into the furnace filled with the broken rocks. This is to separate the precious metals from foreign materials that will cause imperfection in the gold or silver. Proverbs 17.3 reads, the crucible for silver and the furnace for gold, but the Lord tests the heart. There we go. Back to the heart again. Why is the heart such a big deal? So the pot goes into, the crucible goes right into the furnace. So as it's being heated, the metals inside eventually begin to separate from the imperfections. So the impurities, they're called dross, and that will actually come to the surface as the imperfections are separating themselves. I think that's pretty cool. Sometimes it's not cool for us whenever it's in a real life situation when God is trying to separate the impurities and the imperfections of our heart, our attitude, our behaviors away from what he wants us to really be like and who he wants us to look like, which is himself ultimately. That's a tough process. So the third thing is the heat. And Psalm 12, 6 says, And the words of the Lord are flawless, like silver, purified in a crucible, like gold, refined seven times. So the refiner skims off the impurities or the dross several times as the heat is intensified. This can be up to seven times. Certain impurities are only revealed or released at certain temperatures. So the crucible goes in. It's at a certain degree. Thing impurities start to come to the surface. He pulls it out. He skims the top. He puts it back in, but he heats it hotter. It doesn't stay at the same temperature. Have you ever had moments in life when you felt like you were just sitting in the fire and you're like, okay, 
it's enough already. You know, the phrase, when it rains, it pours. <laughs> this is kind of the opposite. When it's hot, it gets hotter. Sometimes things just have to get a little bit uncomfortable for us to actually change our behavior, change our mindset, ultimately for God to change our hearts. There, there have been so many times in life whenever I felt like there's no way I could endure something that I was going through. Rather, it was something that was an emotional issue. It was something, a spiritual battle I was going through, even physical ailments that I have had to deal with. And, and there are things that I deal with on a daily basis. I have a very severe case of osteoarthritis. I've had people tell me, you know, oh yeah, I've got arthritis in my fingers. And I'm like, well, lucky you. I wish that it was only in my fingers. <laughs> that would be fantastic. It's in basically every joint in my whole body and it hurts often. So the last step, which I think is probably the most important of all the steps in this refining process is the reflection. The refiner knows that the precious metal is ready when he looks into the crucible and sees his reflection in the metal. Isaiah 48:10. See, I have refined you, though not as silver, I have tested you in the furnace of affliction. What the heck? Furnace of affliction? Did you sign up for that? I'm pretty sure I didn't sign up for the furnace of affliction. But you know what's funny is we don't jump in. We may jump into the fire out of the frying pan, but we do not jump into the furnace of affliction. That is not a place that any of us are like, yes, sign me up for that. First of all, <laughs> it sounds like a B movie and honestly, I'd probably watch it. But when it comes to the furnace of affliction, I'm kind of like, no thanks. I will pass on that. I'm not even a fan of the sweltering California heat. <laughs> when I visited Florida several years ago, I didn't like that heat either. That was disgusting. I don't know what you guys call that over there, but it is not summer and it is not heat. I'm sure if I asked you to recall a time in your life that was really difficult, you could probably come up with something pretty easily. And something I'm trying so hard to do, and friends, let me tell you, it's hard. The question, God, what do you want me to learn in this process? I am super stubborn. If you've listened to any of my other Chirpcasts, I'm stubborn. Um, and I tend to take sometimes the hard way around because I just want to do it my way. I have struggled with things before because I didn't want to ask for help. I didn't want to have to talk to anybody about what it was that I was dealing with. Um, there were times that I talked to people about what I was dealing with, but I wasn't 100% honest because of the fear of not being in control. I couldn't control what they would think about me. I couldn't control how they would perceive me as a person, as a friend. And so I just kind of struggled. <laughs> Those are the moments when I jumped into the fire. But the times that God has put me into the fire has been only for my benefit. He wants us to learn from the things that we're going through. We can be angry all day long. I can be mad about life. I can be angry about things that I have experienced in life. I can be angry about choices that I've made in the past. I can be angry about things that have been done to me, said about me, posted about me. <laughs> there are a lot of things that I can have that can consume me, honestly. 
like fire. They can consume me in a really, really negative way. I'm trying to really ask God through my difficult moments of life, what do you want me to learn? What is the lesson here that I need to take away from this moment? Every single tough situation, I've learned something. Every time. Sometimes I've learned that I am much weaker than I thought that I was. That I am way less self-sufficient than I thought. Um, That I need community. That I need encouragement myself. I just have to be able to ask God, what do you want me to learn? I have to be willing to be taught about what it is that God wants me to learn. What is he trying to speak to my heart about? What does he need me to change to make me reflect the image of who he is? That's the that's the main goal. That's the end result is to reflect who he is. I don't want people to see me just for me. I really, really want people to see God in me. I have messed up so many times and I have taken steps in the wrong direction and I've had to backtrack and I've had to apologize and ask for forgiveness and I've had to stop being angry about things and offer forgiveness in a real way, not in the superficial, yeah, sure, whatever, you're, you're forgiven. Or, yeah, sure, whatever, I'm sorry. No, I've had to really stop and ask God to change my heart about things. And I'm so grateful that he has. I'm grateful for the mercy, the unmerited favor that he has given me. So kind of like full circle here, grace under fire is not falling apart. It's being nervous but composed. I want to be the kind of woman who is graceful under fire. As always, I hope that you were encouraged today. Maybe I made you laugh a little bit. I promise to stay away from the matches. Have a great day and we'll catch you next time.